0: Got that whole little swine, yeah Bottle of wine time New vintage wine of the vine, yeah Good news of wine now Got that whole little swine, yeah Bottle of wine time Got that whole little swine, yeah The following content may be offensive to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode. This is episode three of Bible and Wine Time, and I'm your host, Professor Claris. Back with us again today is guest, Patty Graham, Dr. Patty Graham, excuse me, doctorate of theology from Rose Worship and Healing Rooms, is that correct? That is correct. Fantastic, fantastic. And today's episode is... Wait a minute. Hmm. Truth seekers, free thinkers, and dear listeners, before I just come right out and say it, care to venture a guess? Go on. Pause this podcast. Pause this audio wherever you're at and see if you can figure it out. Oh, wait. Oh, you're back? Okay. Think you got it? All right. Well, here we go. Today's episode is about blood. Blood. Where shall we start? Maybe a scripture? Scriptural and symbolic significance of blood? Mm. Or maybe the biological function and makeup, a.k.a composition of blood. Human blood, that is. Maybe all three? Wait, I've got it. Let's just go in order, starting with this scripture. Wait, wait, before I give a scripture, let's just, let's hold on a minute. The number of verses... In biblical passages that mention blood, well, there's quite a few. So instead of just one scripture, here's a few references. The first scriptural reference is Leviticus 17.11. Another one is Leviticus 17.6. Psalms 16.4. Psalms 9.12. Psalms 39, Psalms 94.21. Matthew 16.17. Matthew 23.30, Romans 3.25, Romans 5.9, Ephesians 1.7, and Matthew 26.28. There's quite a bit more than that. Actually, there are many, many more references and passages. These are just a few, so let's go ahead and read one of them, or maybe three of them anyway I propose a good starting point is Ephesians 1 7 through 10 in the JB Phillips New Testament which by the way if you're trying to find that translation you can find that in biblegateway.com this is what it says it is through the son at the cost of his own blood that we are redeemed freely forgiven through that full and generous grace which is overflowed into our lives and opened our eyes to the truth. For God had allowed us to know the secret of his plan, and it is this, his purposes in his sovereign will, excuse me, he purposes in his sovereign will that all human history shall be consummated in Christ, that everything that exists in heaven or earth shall find its perfection and fulfillment in him. I can imagine some of you asking, what's all that got to do with blood, dude? Or something of that nature. To find out, I propose we exegete the word blood in verse 7. So here we go with another Strong's number. Again, if you don't know what Strong's numbers are, um, they have to do with a concordance that was compiled, I believe, by a man named James Strong. I'm not sure about that, but I'll post a link so you can find out. Anyway, here it is, Strong's number 129. And I uh, pulled this definition or... You know, the bits of it that I'm using from the complete word study New Testament. I believe it was edited by a man named Spiros Zodiates. may have had a team of other editors. His works are great. But anyway, that Greek word is aima. And part of the definition is this. Blood as the substantial basis of the individual life. Here's a bit more. From Thayer's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, on page 15, uh, 2b, it is used specifically of the blood of sacrificial victims, having a purifying or expiating power. Moving on to another definition, from Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary of Old and New Testament Words. On page 70, we find this, as the life of the flesh is in the blood and was forfeited by sin, life eternal can be imparted only by the expiation made in the giving up of the life by the sinless savior. Sinless savior, excuse me. Perhaps we should explore the dictionary. More specifically, the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language. The fourth edition. What? Oh, you thought I was going to say another scripture, didn't you? Don't lie. I bet you did. Well, let's take a look. Blood, according to the dictionary, is the fluid consisting of plasma, blood cells, and platelets that is circulated by the heart through the vertebrae vascular system, carrying oxygen and nutrients to and waste materials away from all body tissues, a functionally similar fluid in animals other than vertebrae, the juice or sap of certain plants, a vital or animating force, Life blood. Hmm... One of the four humors of ancient and medieval physiology, which I know nothing about, identified with the blood found in blood vessels, and thought to cause cheerfulness. Blood, mm, folks, I wouldn't really just kind of go off that one. I'm, I'm not sure that blood causes cheer. I mean, it might. I'd probably not. I'm, I'm thinking. What do you? No, no. Doctor Graham agrees. We're we're not going to get into blood as the source of cheerfulness. In fact, I'd say it's not. No. 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 Um bloodshed. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the definition, but that's not where we're going with this. Yeah, that's enough of this definition. One thing I want to point out is a uh, vital or animating force, lifeblood. That's what I'd really want to focus on. You can go and look up the rest of that definition yourself in the, again, American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, and that's the fourth edition that I used for that. And there's a lot there. How does it all connect? We might need to go back and examine or re-examine some scriptures. So here we go. Another scripture I would like to share is Hebrews 9, 6 through 10 in the message it says. After this was set up, the priests went about their duties in the large tent. Only the high priest entered the the smaller inside tent. And then only once a year offering a blood sacrifice for his own sins and the people's accumulated sins. This was the Holy Spirit's way of shaping, oh, show, shaping, show, showing. Showing. Show, is that what I wrote? Showing? Mm-hmm. All right, well, this was the Holy Spirit's way of showing with a visible parable that as long as the large tent stands, people can't just walk in on God. Under this system, the gifts and sacrifices can't really get to the heart of the matter, can't assuage the conscience of the people, but are limited to matters of ritual and behavior. It's essentially a temporary arrangement until a complete overhaul could be made. There's a lot here to consider, but if you've been paying attention, you might just be able to guess what I'm about to say. The blood of bulls and goats just couldn't cut it. As a matter of fact, no other sacrifice could. No other blood was pure enough. So in closing... Wait! Wait, I'm serious here. I'm just about done. You guys know I'm not a pastor, right? Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. The blood of Jesus must have been different somehow. Was it because he was and is the only begotten born son of God in human flesh and blood? Maybe. Almost certainly. In fact, I'm convinced of that. However, I think there's still more to it. And if you really want to know, you know what to do. If not, then I suppose you'll just have to wait and find out. Any comments, Dr. Graham? Yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, since life is in the blood, and he is the way, the truth, and the life, I believe that that blood has a lot more to do with our transformation through him. You're more than likely correct. And we will find find out more about that in Blood Part 2, which is coming later on down the line. So stay tuned for Blood Part 2. But for now... I think it's time for the wine. All right. So what kind of wine are we reviewing today? Oh, this is a Yellowtail Merlot. And this one was crafted by the Casella family in Australia. And I believe it's uh, the vintage is year uh, 2019. Let's go ahead and taste the wine. Well, it says, as uh, the bottle says, there's the flavors are dark plums and mulberries and spice. and Oh, it's good with antipasto and uh, good times and great friends. <laughs> this one is a little bit on the dry side. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for a less expensive wine, it's not a bad Merlot. He uh, said, it's not the best one I've had, but it's, you know, if you want to buy some Merlot that doesn't cost a whole lot of money, then I'd say this one's a good way to go. Right. What do you think about the Merlot? For a Merlot, which is not my favorite, it's good. It's good. I can taste a hint of plum. So if you like a plum Merlotish taste, it's good. Well, you know, we're not wine snobs here, folks. <laughs> We're uh, definitely working on that wine pellet Probably need to do some research on wine tasting (laughs) Oh my Anyway I think that's all we've got for this episode of Bible and Wine Time And I'd like to thank you again for listening I appreciate your support and all that you do out there God bless you Once again, I'm Professor Claris this is Bible and one Time, and I hope to see you next time. God bless you.